We've had a few weeks of heavy topics from discussions about race to weighing the end of the world. So to change things up, we're going to have a little bit of fun today. We're talking about the state of the DC Cinematic Universe. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. We're doing things a little differently today. With me is a roundtable of experts, Sean Keen and Ayaz Akhtar, and BVG, who's been quietly producing this show, will lend his DC expertise as well. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having me. You're having me. Ooh, I get to be on the show. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm. That's what I'm most excited about, is having you on the show and actually participating, Brian. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, but Sean, let's start with you, because you've got a piece out today that looks at what the casting of Michael Keaton might mean for the DC movies. Uh, and I will preface this by saying we're, you know, we don't know for sure if he's been cast. I think he's in early talks. It's been what the reports have been saying. Um, so we might just be purely speculating, but well, why not? It's fun to do. Uh, Sean, give us a rough summary of what Michael Keaton joining this new DC cinematic universe might mean. There's been a little confusion. Uh, it was actually Earth 2, Sean Keane, that wrote that story. Uh, but he <laughs> fortunately filled me in, so I can give a little rough summary. Um, so apparently, as you said, Michael Keaton is in talks to Don the Batman cowl once again. Uh, but it wouldn't be a straight sequel to Batman 1989 and Batman Returns. Apparently... He will show up in the first solo Flash movie, which is reportedly going to be based on the multiverse-spanning Flashpoint storyline. And so for our listeners who aren't fully aware of all this, and I'm assuming some of them have stuck around, maybe they've all dropped off when they found out this was about DC, but let, talk about the multiverse and, and talk about the Flashpoint series and, and how that all kind of ties together, because it's it, it's it's kind of heady stuff. It's parallel universes, it's alternate timelines. What Break it down for us. So, uh, the Flash's mother was murdered, and he went back in time to prevent that murder. And in doing so, he created an alternate timeline which in which everything was a little bit different. And in terms of Batman, uh, and I can't say whether or not the movie will follow this, but uh, instead of Thomas and Martha Wayne being shot, Bruce was shot and Thomas Wayne became the Batman of that universe. Uh, and he was a little meaner than his son. He used guns and had a sweet red outline on his bat uh, symbol on his outfit. Um, and he had red eyes. Oh, he was super cool. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that in a movie. Um, but the rumor is that Michael Keaton will be like Nick Fury is for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in that he will be like an overseer who will kind of tie all these different timelines together. So in theory, we could see multiple Batmans and multiple Supermans which, like, the storytelling possibilities are limitless. The comics have been dealing with this stuff for decades. And frankly, it's a little bit alienating. It's like, oh, no, that's a different universe. But the DC Extended Universe movies are kind of messy uh, and loosely tied together because of constantly shifting creative directions. There is no equivalent to Marvel Studios' Kevin Feige, who kind of makes sure everything lines up. Uh, and so... They feel quite different, all the DCEU movies, um, and having kind of a multiverse thing could tie them together and 
kind of account for all that. Yeah, the idea that all these different movies being so totally different. Well, there's an explanation. They're all in different universes and they're they're kind of linked together by Michael Keaton. I, as I want to bring you into this because, for one, you're wearing a Flash t-shirt, which is very appropriate. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts on... The, this Flashpoint story, if you think this is sort of the right move, uh, and, and how you reacted when you heard about the, the possible casting of Michael Keaton. Well, if there was ever going to be a way to fix the DC movie universe, at least the live-action one, Flashpoint makes the most sense since it introduces, or at least explains the multiverse, explains how you can change things, how you can recast actors, how we can go back in time, how there can be a Joker with Joaquin Phoenix and why there was a Joker with Heath Ledger, why there's been three or four different Batman. You can totally explain that all the stuff we've watched in the past, you know, 50 years or whatever it's been, it's all been the same thing. There is a Christopher Reeve Superman. There is a Brandon Ruth Superman. And you can do all of that stuff. So if there's ever going to be an opportunity for Warner Brothers to figure this out, Flashpoint would be the, I mean, this is the weirdest thing to say, the simplest way to do it because they've already kind of played with the idea of Flash breaking through time in Batman versus Superman. And I think that you really could do, DC could do something really good with this. But Michael Keaton being brought in. Now, I was looking this up because like in my head, I'm like, Michael Keaton was Batman like, you know, the 10 years ago. It was 28 years ago oh, yeah. that he played Batman. So there are people alive today that can legally drink that were not around when the Michael Keaton Batman movies existed. So to bring him in, I think, would be good for like nostalgic people like me and like older people. And I don't know if that's what DC really wants to do because Michael Keaton being in this position, I'm thinking either the script's got to be really good or the money's got to be really good because the reports were back when he was offered Batman Forever, he turned down $15 million. And when he was asked, why didn't you do the movie? He said, sucked. Like, that's the quote. So, uh, and, it's, and to, to give like a paraphrase, like he said, the writing was garbage. So, to bring in this Oscar-nominated actor into this messy, messy universe, like, I really hope he's not in it for a payday and I really hope there's a good story, but like, I could really see him being like, you know, I could really use a, an island. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's that's a fair point. Um, I wanted to bring up something that, that Sean brought up, the, the idea that this, this, overly complicates things. Do you think that bringing in this multiverse, trying to explain away all the different movies, is that too much for the casual viewer? Like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, which, by the way, hasn't introduced a multiverse. I think it, it kind of teased it in Spider-Man, but it was a bit of a red herring. Uh, it hasn't done that. It's, it's fairly simplistic, relatively speaking, right? It's consistent. You know, they are, they are interconnected, but it's sort of, it's, it's connected in a story as opposed to we're connected by parallel universes, alternate timelines that may or may not intersect. Uh, for the casual viewer, what do you what do you think this? Do you think it is alienating? Do you think it actually uh, might actually be counterproductive as as they try to curry favor with hardcore fans who would, I'm sure, get super excited about all this stuff? I think the idea is you wait for Marvel to introduce this with Doctor Strange. Let, let Marvel do the heavy lifting and go, okay, look, let's, let's edu educate the consumer that there's multiverses and these movies are popular and then piggyback off of that. Like if DC is going to build it on their own, they, they seem to have no sense of patience when it comes to world building, universe building. And I get that. The idea that MCU is pulled in billions and billions of dollars, you totally want to copy that. But if you don't do it in the same measured, slow approach, it won't work. If they wait 
for the general public to understand what a multiverse is because Doctor Strange introduced it or the DC or the Disney Plus shows introduced it. Maybe they can come away with it. Uh, I think it's something that people can grasp as long as there's no reliance on, do you remember what happened in Batman Returns? Like, do you have to remember that that Christopher Walken's character played a heavy role in that? Because I think everyone forgets about Max Shrek. But, like, you really can't tie it too hard together. So if they kind of keep it loose, I think it'll, it'll work. Right. He's just, he's a grizzled Batman veteran, right? Like, you don't have to deal with the backstory. That's just, that's who he is. Sean, what do you think? I think the audience is absolutely, I, I would say it's kind of been, in, the multiverse concept has been teased with Spider-Verse. Because, like, obviously that didn't do MCU numbers at the box office, but it won an Oscar. And everyone loves it. So, uh, the... The idea of a multiverse is not too much for an audience. And I think like Michael Keaton Batman is enough of an icon. And no one will need to revisit those movies because I'm gonna say something controversial. They're kind of a mess. <laughs> um, especially Batman Returns. Because I rewatched Batman Returns for the first time in years last weekend or whatever, and it there's so much going on. There are three villains. It's like, oh, look, there's the same mistake Spider-Man 3 is going to make in, like, a few years. Well, here we go. And it's just, oh, no. And there's so little Batman in it. It's, like, whatever. Like, this guy was Batman once. We accept it. He's iconic enough that we can just slip back in, him back into that role. And the idea of Michael Keaton coming back to the role at this point especially is really exciting. Because this is, like, post-Birdman, post Vulture, Michael Keaton. It's, he's a, he's a quite a different screen presence, I would say, uh, a much more charismatic screen presence, and he could tie all those characters together. Um, I would love to see him like on screen with. No, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I would love to see him on screen with Ben Affleck and uh, Christian Bale. Batman and just the, and Christian Bale Batman will be disgusted that he kills people. They both kill people. Christian Bale's Batman killed people. Yeah, but no, like he 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 deluded himself. Christian Bale's Batman blew up an entire shrine filled with people. But like he made a huge deal about not killing people, uh, and they kill people left, right, and center. And he's just as much a hypocrite as every other on-screen Batman. <laughs> uh, that's a fair point. Well, technically, he wasn't Batman yet. He was training. Well, yeah, he didn't. And by the way, Brian, he didn't actively kill. He, I think he tried to like save some of those people. Right? It's not like he actually murdered anyone. He did set fire to the shrine, but like there were dozens of monks inside, and he went after Raish, just just Raish. And yes, that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. He saved Raish from falling off the cliff. Whoopie doo! Here's your medal. Go cry about your dad. <laughs> well, he can only save so many people. I'm just saying. He tried. I'm just saying it's hypocritical because people always complain about like the Ben Affleck Batman killing people. And it's just it's all the same thing. Um, the Michael Keaton Batman threw dynamite at a dude like they, they all fall short of what Batman is supposed to be and how good he is in the comics and like the animated Justice League TV show Batman the Animated Series. They all fall short of Kevin Conroy. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 true. I'm not defending any one of them. I'm just saying keep it all in check. I will just say the Ben Affleck one, he he used full-on guns. I mean, he had like artillery. That's he he took it up a notch. 
I mean, he he also branded people like that was kind of like, really? Like, that's that's a lot. That's a lot, dude. All right. Well, uh, no, it's a good point, but I, I'm curious, and any of you guys can weigh in. Like, how how is this going? Do you do you see a movie where Michael Keaton hops between different realities, or does he just pop up in different movies like Nick Cage does as as a cameo as a as a post credit scene? Like, is that going to be his thing? Like, the post credit scene will just be Michael Keaton saying something. <laughs> Unless we get Nick Cage Superman. You said Nick Cage. Nick Cage is not Nick an Fury. Sorry. Nick Fury. Nick Cage, although <laughs> just to, that's true. You know what? There's the, there, there is the Nick Cage Superman that that never took off. I watched that documentary. It looks bizarre. Oh, that was amazing. It's amazing, but but super bizarre. But I'd love to see him show up in this in this multiverse. <laughs> uh, but yeah, w- uh, so tantalizing about the things we never got. <laughs> yes, uh, but so how do you sort of like this is to any of you? How like how do you sort of see Michael Keaton showing up beyond? Like I could sort of see him. I guess serving as a mentor role maybe for the flash. Uh, but, but going forward, if this becomes more of a, a, a connected thing where it's, it's a multi-picture deal, like how does he show up? Is he like the post credit scenes guy? That would be a little too similar to the MCU. I think I, I, I feel like we don't be like, mm, no, no clear rip off. Uh, they, they got to do their own thing. I feel like weaving him in, in a different way, whatever that means. I think just having him in the main body of the movie, I think, would be the key. Because uh, Flash, Flash will need a mentor. He, he's wholly incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty rough. Uh, so I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this all works. Since there's the Robert Pattinson Batman movie that's that's filming or was filming. I'm not sure if it's still going on right now, but that's going to come out. So if you have this other disparate Batman. Uh, how are you going to put this together? And also, I guess the idea is, how does this flashpoint resolve? Because in the books, like essentially leads to rebirth, and every like everything comes back to one Earth or like one universe that we're going to be following. So to have Michael Keaton remaining, that would essentially undo all the other Batman, and we're not going to. There's only one left. So I don't know if if Warner Brothers is willing to give up on the uh, on the the new Batman movies already in favor of this new version of the Justice League. So I, I just I guess it depends. Michael Keaton will fit in depending on how they decide to resolve this because if there's only one universe left and Michael Keaton's the only Batman left, that would be very strange. Right. Although, I, that's the thing. I don't know if they will try to resolve it in the same way. Like, I, I don't know if it'll consolidate into one universe. I think they might just... This might be the excuse they have for just playing with movies of a different tone, different theme... And just say, hey, it's, it's it's all multiverse. It's all connected, kind of, sort of. I think that's the smartest thing that they could do in this scenario. I've been saying it for years. DC just needs to get weird. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Uh, I was a DC kid growing up. No shade thrown at Marvel. I love Marvel, but I was a Green Lantern, Batman kid growing up. And they, the DC universe in general, not just the movies, the TV, even those animated movies that have such a great track record uh, and video games and even the comics have been disappointing, severely disappointing over the past 10 years. And I think they just need to go back to their roots where they kick open the door, throw a bunch of multiverse and mulligans all over the place and say, this is how we do it. Everybody understands archetypes and we're just going to go and lean into our legacy. And here's one off stories. Here's some more Elseworlds. Have some Elseworlds. I want to see more of that. I agree. That would be the smartest thing for them to do. Just like Marvel was built for linear. Let them do that. Let them make sense. We're DC. We don't make sense. 
but you know what a Batman is. So here's some more of that. But Brian, we always need to see every, at least every six months, we need to see how Batman became Batman. We got to see <laughs> Thomas and Martha get shot if I in see, slow motion. Yeah. If I see Thomas and Martha Wayne. Well, I mean, I forgot what his mom's name was already. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> no. You'll never forget. How could, yeah, you can't forget. They won't let you. <laughs> I, I don't care how tightly they want to weave this narrative. I, I, I'm excited about Michael Keaton. I'm excited for the storytelling opportunities that that could possibly open up, including the rumored Batman Beyond that we've all been kind of anxiously waiting for in the inner sanctum of uh, the Bruce Timiverse, seeing that come to life. But as far as making it all, quote unquote, make sense, couldn't care less. I think that the audiences at large have been inundated with enough comic book stuff over the past 10 plus years with Marvel that they just get it now. You know, there there's a lot of plot convenience and it's comics. There needs to be a suspension of disbelief from the most grounded to the most fantastical. Uh, and like, I think people can get that now. So just just run with it. Yeah, I think the audience can get it. I think my, my, my real thing is that with DC movies in general is that they don't tell a good story. And that's the key here. Like th the reason why Spider-Man in the multiverse worked really well is that the story was really heartwarming and it was about a guy learning something and did have a mentor, not as good as a mentor, just like trying to become his own Spider-Man. And that story, even though there's a ton of crazy concepts, totally worked because the story was solid. If you're going to do a Flashpoint, you're going to bring in Mike Keaton, it doesn't matter how many stars you have in the movie. Uh, look at Thin Red Line, one of my least favorite movies of all time. Tons of stars. But the plot didn't make any sense and the storytelling was horrible. If you don't have a good story, it doesn't make a difference if you have Michael Keaton back. I mean, we, going back, you guys said, somebody said uh, earlier on in the conversation that they didn't have a Kevin Feige in place. And that's not true. They had Jeff Johns for a long time, and Jeff was inadequate for that role. Jeff is a smart editor. He's a good writer. Wasn't destined for that job. So he's stepped aside, and looking forward, I'm not sure if they're going to try to fill that role. And I'm kind of hoping they don't, because I want to go back and cite the some of the best things we've seen out of DC, and that is some of those animated movies, especially like Wonder Woman, Crisis on Two Earths, uh, Doom, um, and then, of course, the animated Timverse, the Batman animated series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Superman Adventures, Batman Beyond. Uh, those told some of the best stories and they were, you know, kind of watered down versions of comic book archetypes that we had seen already. But like, you know, for the man who has everything, Justice League did an incredible uh, version of that in animated. And that made me feel things, you know, and that's a cartoon. It's, it, you know, they're, they're, they're silly pictures, right? Just go into that. Go standalone. Although I would argue that, you know, in that to sort of counter your point, like that there was a strong hand behind those projects. Those animated, like you said, the, the Timverus, right? Bruce Tim. Uh, I can't remember the other, like the co-executive producers, like I think Dwayne McDuffie was one of them. And there was another, um, I'm blanking on it. But th there were a number of, creative influences that I think drove a consistent level of quality with those animated uh, movies and shows that I think DC still kind of lacks right now. I mean, they are a committee though. Tim, Bruce Tim was an anomaly, but everything else going forward, they brought in the OG writers. They brought the creative voices. They didn't depend on one dude on top of the pile to just like direct traffic. Oh, you're talking about the more recent ones. I haven't, to be fair, I haven't caught up on it as many of the uh, the recent DC movies. I was mostly talking about the Timverse. 
I mean, the Timverse is still, in my eyes, the the shining example, the pinnacle of what DC is capable of. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the other thing you're talking about, though, is the strong hand. Like, if you get the original writer, it's this lack of studio involvement. Let the storytellers tell the stories. When they do that, like, look, Aquaman is one of the craziest, bizarre movies that exists. I believe there's an octopus doing drums. And, like, they're just like, look, we're going to lean into this. It doesn't make any sense, and we're fine with that. And so, like, when you get to have a strong, uh, either a strong author when it comes to the writing or a strong direction, if the studio gets their hands off, in one way that works. For Marvel, it seemed like with the studio with their hands on, builds this very consistent message. So they, they're they not buckling towards a committee. There's one person they're going with. Same thing with these movies in DC. If they had one person per movie, because you might be cognizant of, uh, Patty Jenkins is probably cognizant of, I forget who did uh, Shazam, but like probably cognizant of what was going on between these different movies. You don't have to like totally be in step with that person, but you have an idea of how you fit in without having to constantly talk to an editor-in-chief. Like, what do we do? Is this going to happen? Like, these singular tales don't need, uh, they don't need a top person on the, like, higher level. They just need somebody that's actually listened to on the film level, I think, to make this really work. Yeah, Patty Jenkins is the, a, a great example of the modern success. And, you know, Wonder Woman is totally, completely dissonant from Shazam. They don't need to cross over outside of the characters meet and then their characters clash. Like, I want to see more of that. Do you think, though, that uh, with Michael Keaton, if he theoretically is casted and and it shows up in multiple movies, that's clearly a sign that they want to tie them together some way. Maybe they do explain it away as a multiverse, but um, you don't cast someone like Michael Keaton and have him appear in multiple movies and, and still just solely focus on one-off movies, which is what they've been doing with with pretty decent success recently. Uh, how do you think that's going to play out? Because like that, um, clearly he's meant to tie some of these movies together. But do you think that they'll just end up that that'll just sort of blow up in their face? Marvel versus DC amalgam, make it happen. That's never going to happen. No, that will never ever happen. Unless unless Disney buys Warner Brothers, I guess they could they could theoretically. I mean, they're buying everything up, so I don't know that. I'm definitely joking. That was awful. I, I do think though. Yeah, they, they should be tied together. Like, uh, they want to mirror Marvel. And I do think, I, I definitely agree with the idea that they should be weird. Like, have multiple Supermen. Just just do it. Like, it, it's fun. It's And it would sell so well. Like, it's like, oh, look at those two Supermen fighting on a poster. That looks awesome. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, two Supermen fighting? That's, you've already got my money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, some, it, it's a, how they differentiate themselves from Marvel. I feel like standalone stories, you know, they will work to a point. But it's getting to that extra level where they're tied together. That's when you can make the kind of money Marvel are making because they feel essential. Like you can't, most people who are invested feel like they can't skip stuff. Whereas like, it'd be very easy for like someone to say, skip something like Shazam. It's like, yeah, the the links are tenuous at best. But if you get the sense of, oh, this this could be tied in uh, and they might do something completely insane. um, Like, like having him run into himself from an alternate reality or like an evil wonder woman or something random like that that would be cool and it's it's like we haven't seen that in marvel and that's how they differentiate themselves tie them together get you know have those little easter eggs for people and make it rewarding uh but be weird 
at all times. I, I, I'm looking forward to the Snyder Cut because from everything I've heard, rumors abound, that's going to be weird. It's going to be dark. And I'm not going to sit here on some kind of high horse and say Zack Snyder was a saint and should be absolutely forgiven. He's not the best filmmaker ever. He's had some really good hits. He's had some misses. The guy knows how to work a camera and a lens. Uh, but let's be honest, the fault with things like Justice League and Dawn of Justice is because of the studio meddling. 110%. It's because Warner Brothers couldn't keep their foot out of the door. And I'm we'll never forgive them for that because there is a lot of potential in there. And we finally got Batman versus Superman on screen and it fell flat on its face. I think there's blame to go around with that. Yeah, yeah, I would say the especially with Dawn of Justice because there was less studio meddling. I think there was a lot more studio meddling as a reaction to Dawn of Justice and to Man of Steel, which, by the way, I still hate and I still haven't gone through. I always fall asleep on Man of Steel. It's just too damn dreary. But uh, I, I want to bring up one other, th- one other random tangent. So we've we've had this kind of multiverse spanning uh, example already uh, on TV on the CW in, in America, Sean. Um, but uh, we, we've had uh, we've had the Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, um, Supergirl, Batwoman, all together in a crossover, all in... Black Lightning. Black Lightning, thank you. Uh, all, all in uh, the, uh, uh, you know, a five-part... Was it five parts? Five-part miniseries uh, that really dealt with the multiverse. Like, they, they actually hinted at the 1989 universe that of uh, earth 66 the the burt ward and uh, adam west batman period um i'm curious if you think that'll they'll ever draw influences from that and also it's it's also interesting to note that ezra miller who will be playing the flash showed up in that crossover if only for a brief few seconds as he as he stared at uh, the cw flash for a few moments um i thought that was a pretty good example that was fun. yeah it was fun i thought it was a great example of like how you work a multiverse, um, you know, it's not easily replicable on the on a cinematic scale. But um, I thought that was a fun example of of how you do this. I mean, the fact that it was a cinematic flash jumping into an alternate universe, I think that was they were telegraphing something. I mean, I want that to be the case anyway. I mean, Marvel hasn't even successfully done that. The Defenders did not show up in Endgame, which a lot of people wanted to see. Right. And then Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has just sort of been like completely divorced from that. Even though it was designed to be part of the MCU, it was it kind of divorced itself from it towards the end. Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was at its best when it tied in. Like when I, I was like, whatever, this is dull. And then the twist from the Winter Soldier happened in the show. Right. And it, it, it shattered that team. And See, like, this I, is amazing. I, I actually argue that the show got better after it stopped caring so much about the MCU. Like when it, when it stopped concerning itself with like having to tie into Thor, the dark world, which it tried to do, right? It was just sort of like, uh, <laughs> It worked when they tied into the good one. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the Marvel shows versus the Marvel movies, they had two separate studios. You had the Marvel Television, Marvel uh, Cinematic, or Marvel Studios, and that was a huge issue, and now it's all under Feige because I believe the head of the television division was notoriously cheap, and so a lot of the stuff was all these ground-level superheroes, and the, the two heads did not get along, and that caused an inconsistency between the Marvel shows and the Marvel uh, movies. Disney Plus obviously is going to have all the proper Marvel Studios stuff with continuations of actual MCU stuff. So I think with the television for CW and the the cinematic universe for DC, 
the reason why it works so well on TV is that, again, you have this decompressed storytelling. And there is it's a forced patience because we didn't get these crossovers for multiple universes for a little bit. You know, we did have things spinning off of Arrow for a long time, but they were all in this like small, very small localized world, it seemed like. And as you keep building and building and building, you can have these giant universe level events. And that's what the movie should follow. The same thing of like, we'll treat it like comic books. We tell you an episodic thing. And then there's this big crossover event every summer, or in this case, I guess every two summers, and it'll be crisis or it'll be a secret crisis or whatever. They, they always call it crisis. They just keep doing those in the movies and we're all set. Like you can do that if you want. You just have to build where they have this crossover thing where it matters versus the Justice League where you're like, hey, we have the Justice League. We're going to introduce all these characters in one movie. You've seen them in cameos before. You didn't have this buildup of like, oh, they're finally together. You're like, oh, they're all together. You got to build towards something. You can't just just throw it out there. Right, right. I mean, for a lot for a lot of the audience, it's sort of like, who are half these people? Who's Cyborg? Who's... Well, I guess Aquaman, people know Aquaman is, but mostly it's a joke. I mean, like, that was the thing. Like, to, to your earlier point, like, DC was impatient about building. They saw the success of the Avengers, and they're like, oh, we want some of that. We want some of that cash and uh, that that tapping into that that fandom. But they didn't they didn't do the groundwork, and that's the thing. Like, I guess this is where the, the debate is for me is, are, like, what exactly is the end game here? Are they, no pun intended, but are they... You know, are they building up to something, or is it just going to be a collection of weird, uh, weird and one-off uh, movies? Which isn't a bad strategy. So far, it's played out pretty well for like the last couple of movies we've seen: Shazam, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Um, we'll see what happens with Suicide Squad or the Suicide Squad. Um, I'll I'll say Birds of Prey. I really enjoyed. I haven't seen it, so I can't really judge. Um, you can read my Birds of Prey review on CNET.com, and I was quite gushing. All right, well there you go. Also, I want to say for all my all my DC and Warner Brothers bashing, I want to make something very clear. They have not failed to the level of Universal's Dark Universe, where they're like, "Hey, look at all this stuff. They're all photoshopped together." And then, so so as much as they're they're trying to find their way, at least Warner Brothers still has a way to find. They they have had a lot of success, uh, and I think they will do a collection of weird. And again, they'll if if they can be patient enough to have the big summer crossover movies. I think that'll be the big hook because you might, maybe you're not going to watch Shazam 2 or you're not going to watch uh, all the Wonder Woman movies, but you will watch the giant team up and you might get introduced to other characters that way. You go, oh, you know what? I actually do want to follow that character into their own movie like you would a comic book. Like, you know, I didn't know this character was so important. I'm going to go follow this one into their own uh, movie series or TV series that might be closer linked because of the crisis. Maybe the CW shows become much more important or the HBO Max shows become much more important with the Green Lantern animated or whatever else is coming out. Right. I'm only afraid that we're going to get crossover fatigue. I know that the people talk about comic book fatigue a lot, and I do not blame them. Um, but as far as these giant, massive multiversal, I, 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 I like the idea of the multiverse just being like, give me those standalone stories. Give me Gotham by Gaslight. Give me All-Star Superman. Uh, but I don't need them to touch. I don't uh, at all. And these giant crossovers, I mean, look at it. Flashpoint was a comic uh, a little over 10 years ago. Then it was an animated movie. Then it was a TV event. And now it's going to be a cinematic movie. It's like, we get it. We've seen the damn story. You've told Flashpoint as many times as we've seen Batman's origin now. Stop. 
oh, I don't know. I'd say we've seen Batman's origin a few more yeah. times. <laughs> in the same window of time, though, in 10 years? I think so. Uh, well, I mean, you, you, you also have to remember that for a lot of folks who aren't reading comics or watching the anime, I mean, it's, it is relatively, it's still a fresh story. Like, I feel like the Batman origin story is beyond mainstream. Like, everyone knows the Batman origin story. I don't think everyone knows Flashpoint. Like, the fact that I had to preface this whole thing by having Sean explain what Flashpoint is suggest that like there are there aren't it's not it's not as commonly known as the the bruce wayne origin story fair point let me backpedal a little bit there's way <laughs> more source material to work from look at the size yeah. of that ip give me green lantern emerald knight uh give me literally anything else stop retelling the same stories yeah that that i can agree and there, there's a lot of fertile ground to tap um with with the dc universe We'll see, and also we'll see if the the studios exercise some patience. Because I, I like I as wouldn't mind seeing these crossovers. I don't know if it's one every other summer or even like I feel like it, it's going to take longer to build that up um, to get that interest going. And I just don't know if the studios are patient enough, or if they're just going to make the same mistake and like rush out Justice League Part Two or justice league dark or some other crossover just for the sake of having a crossover the reaction i think will largely depend on how well the snyder cut does on hbo max like and they can like it'll be based on like how many subscriptions they get that month uh, or so uh, what i really would love if if the snyder cut of justice league existed alongside the the joss whedon cut uh, just like the joss whedon cuts an awful unholy mess unforgivable uh, but <laughs> like it, it it came out theatrically and so like just own it it sucks own it like there's a really terrible there could be a really terrible cgi version of steppenwolf and then the good cgi version of steppenwolf and that would be that would be amazingly rewarding because i've always found whenever dc just just owns all of its history uh it's at its best like when Christopher Reeve showed up in Smallville. It's like, ooh, that little that little endorphin rush that we got from acknowledging these things. And it, it would also draw people who see those and hear about them online back to all of that back catalog in HBO Max. Like, oh, I, I wonder how many people have revisited the Michael Keaton Batman films in the few weeks since that those reports came out. Probably a lot. Uh, I know, I know, I was looking for it uh, on back catalog. But then I realized I didn't have time to actually watch any movies because I don't have time for anything. Uh, all right, we've got to wrap things up. Uh, why don't I'll give you guys the final word. Um, we'll go around. Ayaz, final thoughts. What do you think? What are you hoping for? What are you fearful of? <laughs> That's a lot right there. Uh, I'm hoping Michael Keaton uh, is a good direction for Warner Brothers. I hope they're just going in a good direction. Great actors don't make great movies. Good stories do. So I'm hoping that that the film division understands that they have tons of material to mine from and they can just pick and choose and put together movies. Don't do Batman versus Superman, which was like three movies in one. Just be slow. Take your time. Tell good stories and that'll work. So my big fear is that they don't take their time. So that's what I'm hoping. And Michael Keaton, if you're watching this, good work. Very proud of you. Because <laughs> you needed that. Sean, what do you think? I really hope that whatever they do with Michael Keaton, should he come on board, uh, that they give us a sense of what's going, what's happened in the Burton verse, the Tim Burton 
universe in the time since we last saw him because that place is nuts. And there's all sorts of things they didn't, like Catwoman was alive at the end of Batman Returns and Harvey Dent never became, uh, uh, Billy Dee Williams' Harvey Dent never became Two-Face. And it's just... He did in the animated movie that they did, Batman 66, with, uh, uh, I think it was Ralph Garman was involved with it. I forgot who directed it, though. In the movie? They did an animated movie a few years ago that brought back Adam West and Burt Ward as voices of the Cape Crusader dynamic duo. And then they had Billy Dee Williams reprise his role as Two-Face, didn't Oh, no, sorry, that was Lego. They did him in Lego. But he was not the Harvey Dent of the Burtonverse there. And I would just like to get a sense of and it. Was obviously, it was a reference to that, yes. But I would like to have it acknowledged that he did that. Like, perhaps like an 80-year-old Two-Face in prison, like a shot of Billy D. Williams. He'd be up for it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and that would be incredible. All right, well, I'll leave, it, I'll, I'll leave it to Brian for the last word. What are you hoping for? I just want DC to embrace their history and embrace their legacy and throw caution to the wind. Uh, like everybody, I think, here kind of mutually agrees. Just give us good stories. Stop trying to overthink things. Stop trying to Hollywoodify things. Uh, on my wish list, uh, I want to see a kingdom come. I want to see the nail. And I want to see uh, a decent version of Red Sun because the animated one was kind of underwhelming. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I, I, lots to be excited for, lots to be concerned about. Hopefully this all ends up well. And then I do really hope that Michael Keaton gets cast. I know it's a little early talk, so, but that would be amazing. All right. If you have any questions for any of us, drop us a line at The Daily Charge on Twitter. And you can check out Sean's story on CNET.com. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.